scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, let's get to it. We are underway on this Thursday, September 7th, this hour of Flames Talk. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Vickers, Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for being with us. If you're listening live, we've got uh, a mailbag coming up. This hour, we'll do uh, a good chunk of this hour will be devoted to another edition of the Calgary Flames or the Flames Talk mailbag. So get your questions in at 960-960. Uh, leave your name so that we know who's asking the question. And, uh, yeah, whatever you want to talk about Flames-wise is what, Vix? We are about a week away from the start of training camp, rookie camp. Uh, the Flames play their first game at the Penticton Young Stars Classic in just over a week from when we're talking right now. So, yeah, whatever you want to talk about on the Flames Talk mailbag, we'll do that a little bit later on this hour. 960-960 on the text line. Questions on players or lines or usage or expectations or wherever you want to go. We'll get to that a little bit later on this hour. Hello. Hi, buddy. What's shaking? Not much. Is it hard to believe we're a week out from uh, oh, hitting absolutely. the open road here? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, Vix and I in a week's time will uh, we'll probably in a week's time be good to go, but we'll have uh, had a nice little uh, road trip, Pat and Vix road trip, which will be about half the length of our longest road trip together. Half the length of our, what's our longest? Well, from Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant time, not distance. But well, the draft, I guess, would, no, it would still be, still be right in there. Yeah, about the same. Either way, um, I'm looking forward to that car ride with you, buddy. Um, golf tournament less than a week away. Penticton just over a week away. Start a training camp less than two weeks away. Looking forward to it. And so over at BetMGM, as you start to get your questions in for the mailbag, over at BetMGM, they uh, have some early over-under point totals for everyone in the league. And the Flames are currently set at 94.5. So 94.5, 94.5 is the over-under for the Flames point, to- point total this year, which is actually a total set higher than what they finished with last year. They had 93 points last season. So it's a decent projection. I think the 94.5 seems pretty fair, knowing how last season went, knowing what has happened this summer. Like, from a straight-up roster perspective, as they stand right now, and this is no knock on Yegor Sharangovich, but from a strict roster standpoint, they're not as good as they were last year because they lost their leading score. I might push back just slightly because you are gaining Oliver Shillington back. And while he is a big question mark, Shillington and Sharangovich versus Toffoli, okay. I think, is a debate that we could necessarily have. Um, that said, you're not going to be as productive, or at least on from the outside looking in and from... September seventh. Would you say? Sharon would Govich. you say they're? Would you say they're even? A little bit less? A little bit better? How would you look at it? I think they're. And I'm sorry, just ro- just roster wise, yeah, not just roster. Yep. Good vibes and all that. No, just just year over year. And again, and I've said this a couple of times, so apologies for repeating myself. I don't necessarily think that if Tyler Toffoli was a member of the Calgary Flames, he was he's hitting that thirty plus goal, seventy plus point mark again. Like, I think that was a career year for him. It was a career year for his reason. I think he maybe shrinks back down to the, you know, 28 goal, 
55 point guy and I'll be curious to see what he's able to do in New Jersey because he's going to be either alongside Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes but if he were to return to the Calgary Flames this season I don't know if he's scoring what 34 and 72 or whatever he ended up with a season ago maybe maybe he's not and and I guess I guess if if we if we don't want to quibble is it fair to say that they're they're not roster wise better than they were last year. Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with that one. And that's and again, I think there's a lot of things that could happen that could actually have them be better. But from just a straight up player in player out standpoint, this has not been a year on where paper. They've on paper taken some significant steps forward, which is okay. But my question then becomes, knowing that, and we don't know what's going to happen with Lindholm or or Hannafin or any of these guys that have been in question, we don't know what the roster movement's going to look like between now and the trade deadline. There's some significant questions there. But what do the Flames need to do to go over that 94.5? Or, or more importantly, what do they have to do to be better than last year. What do the Flames have to do to get to the 95-point range? If we if we ballpark 95 as a playoff team this year, which is what it was last year, Winnipeg is the eight seed, was 95 points last year. Flames are two back at 93. What do the Flames have to do to get to 95-plus and be in the playoffs? What are the things that are most important? And for me, it starts with what we talked about earlier this week, and that is a lot of the guys in questions that had down years, they don't need to get back to their career, their career high totals. They need to get back to kind of what they are and what they've been in their NHL career. Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberdo, Elias Lindholm, get back to kind of your NHL median and what we expect from you as a floor. That's what the flames need for Jacob Markstrom. First and foremost, if they're going to be there. The obtuse or the smart aleck answer would be, hey, turn one of those 30-plus one-goal losses into a one-goal regulation win, puts them from 93 That's to 95. Good. A couple of OT wins, maybe we uh, we practice some three-on-three at some point. And, and there are and 97 there, points, and they're in. And away you go. And yeah. now that's just the, the smart ass in me coming at you with, the oh, all they needed is one more win. Well, but then, yeah. But then I would be like, well, then how do they do that, Aaron? They get better than 892 goaltending. Yeah. So that's on Jacob Markstrom, that's on Dan Vladar, and we'll see to to be determined, but whether or not that's on Dustin Wolf to a degree. You need your top offensive player in Jonathan Huberto to play more. I'm not this I'm gonna stop right there and say I'm not saying he needs to get back to 115 points. That's not realistic. But no, he needs but to get back to being a point, point per, per game, game player. Range, right? He needs to go from fifty-five to seventy-five or eighty-five, somewhere in that range. He needs a thirty-point bump. You need a little bit more production in my books out of Elias Lindholm. And to be perfectly honest, you need the the biggest, simplest answer is because I would not touch this bet. I don't know if you know this, Patrick. I'm not afraid to put $2 on a lot of different bets. I'm not touching this one because I don't know what the roster construction looks like from September to November to January to April. So this roster needs to stay intact for them to hit 95 points. If you sell off Noah Hannafin, if you sell off for Elias sure. Lindholm, I don't think the Calgary Flames get to 95 points. It's funny when you talk about Huberdo, you're looking for a 30 point, you know, 25, 30 point boost from last year, which is like, oh, that's a lot. But then you think about it, he had a 60 point drop yeah. from year over year. So, so I don't think asking him to get back to career norms, which would be 25 or 30 points higher than what he did last year, is out of the question. I don't think it's unfair to ask Nazem Kadri to be more of a consistent player and maybe be more towards, you know, the 65-point the range next year. I don't think that's unfair. 
Um, I don't think it's fair to ask Andrew Mangiapane to be back in the mid-20s for goals. Um, so I think that there are some realistic asks here. And, you know, none of them are as large as Huberdeau. Uh, you're, you're asking for like 10 more points from Kadri. You're asking for, you know seven or eight more goals from Manjapani, And I think that could go a very long way because to your point, as we talked about ad nauseum last year, they won 18 one goal games and lost 30 of them. More than half of their 82, 48 of them were decided by one goal. You, uh, you swing that, you go 18 and 30. If you can go 20 and 28, you're in a much better spot. And we were talking about them maybe being competitive with Vegas in round number one. Do they beat Vegas? Probably not. But maybe they were competitive, and maybe it's not as much of a disastrous season as we end up talking about. And then, yeah, Markstrom, Vladar, get your team team save percentage back into the 908-912 range. And again, that probably gets you there. Yeah, so if you throw out Markstrom's last season, and if you're going to do that, throw out his Vesna nomination season, the four years prior, I think it was, he's a 9-12 goalie. He's roughly a 9-12 goalie on his career. If you can get 9-12 after you got 8-92 last season, that is a substantial difference if he's playing 40 to 50 games. That's a that's a massive swing. And then again, you go to Jonathan Huberdeau, and if you throw it last year and you throw it as a 115-point year again, because if you're going to throw out the low, throw out the high. That's the rule. His four years prior to that in Florida, he was over a point per game as well. So suddenly now you're looking at a 30-point bump from him. Yep. And so suddenly you're getting more saves and your top players producing more goals, whether he's setting them up, whether he's finishing them. And suddenly those swings in goals for and goals against suddenly become a lot better when you consider the fact that they're one of, I think, four or five teams in NHL history to have 31 goal losses in a single season. Suddenly those start going your way and you're adding points, you're adding points. But again... That 94 and a half line is just rude because if, if you went to me and said, no, the it's, line's a, very, it's a, a very sharp total. They know they knew what they were doing. If, if I knew that Lindholm was staying, Hannafin was staying, the roster would largely be what we anticipate it to be in October as it is in April. I think I'd hit that over. But the fact is you've got a defenseman who is either your number two or your number three, depending on how you want to look at it, that may not be around. You have your number one center may not be, around. may not be around. So that total, I'm not even coming close to looking at it. You think like, you think Hannafin went into Craig Conroy and said, I don't even want to be around anymore. I don't think he said that. No, I don't think that that, is that what I said? Cause that's not what I meant. No, no. That was okay. An, that was an, I think you should leave reference. Oh, Shame on me. Yeah, I'm you, going on mute for about yeah. two minutes. That's you embarrassing. Really, you really hurt me on that one. That's the skit where he's going through the mall in the yeah. costume and design. I can't believe I missed that. That is offensive. You should. I don't know if we have a fine jar here or anything like that. We should build one. I don't even want to be around anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you mean on the show or? I got too much bleep on me. <laughs> <laughs> Again, go check out that show. If you Amazing. Don't, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you'll understand more if you were to do that. Um, by the way, so Flames are set at 94 and a half. Uh, the teams in and around them, this is what BetMGM has. So BetMGM has the top three teams 
on their point totals on the over-under as Edmonton, Vegas, L.A. in that order. Edmonton set at 106.5. Vegas set at 103.5. Los Angeles at 100.5. So those are the point totals set by BetMGM for the teams they project as the top three in the Pacific. Seattle just behind Calgary at 92.5. And then Vancouver at 88.5. Anything anything that jump out at you on those ones? Anything that jump out at you in terms of too high, too low, or again, too difficult to bet on? Not so much with Edmonton and Vegas, although maybe I would flip them. And again, depends on health and all sorts of factors. But the one that kind of I looked at, Los Angeles at 100.5. And I get the excitement around them. They've got a a lot of great young players. I'm a big Adrian Kempe fan. Um, And I get the buzz around adding Pierre-Luc Dubois. Mm -hmm. But looking at their defense, Drew Doughty, 33. Gavrikov was signed to that two-year deal, which, okay, but he's more of a defensive guy. Michael Anderson, now we're getting into Matt Roy, Andreas Englund, rookie Brant Clark, and then, of course, their goaltending. I'm not sure Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot are the, are the ticket the there. Yep. Yep. So when I see them projected at over 100 points, I go, yeah, I really like their top six. I could probably squeeze out some ambition on, on liking their top nine. But after that, I'm not sure there's a whole lot in the LA Kings that gives me optimism that they're going to crack the century mark this season. Yeah. And I think, I still think 92 and a half is too low. I think 88 and a half might be low for Vancouver, but I really think 92 and a half is low for Seattle. But a lot of people think that maybe Seattle doesn't have the same type of season they had last year. I just wonder if they get the depth scoring that they had last year because their goaltending was much like Calgary's where it was sub 900 save percentages and somehow they managed to depth their way into a, you don't want to say a, franchise record season when they're only a few seasons old, but they really committed that effort last season, despite some very subpar goaltending. And I can see, I can see them setting the line at 92 and a half. Like to me that I I don't look at that and go, Oh my God, they're sleeping on the Kraken. I think they're probably expecting just a little bit of regression there. Uh, Wedley says Vickers needs to eat a receipt right now. Yeah. You eat that receipt. (laughs) Um, this from uh, Greg and Varsity. Things that went wrong last year. The defense was disjointed for the first half of the year. Everyone underperformed offensively, minus Backlund. The goaltending was subpar. The odds of losing that many overtime and shootout games unlikely to repeat. Oh, and the power play sucked. So, you know, you change just a few of those things, and maybe they have better success. Uh, and on the Huberdo front, this says they're paying Huberdo like a 115-point player he should produce like that. You know, I don't think that they signed Jonathan Huberdo believing that they're going to get 115 from him every year. And they signed Jonathan Huberdeau to that eight-year, $84 million deal, expecting him to be a point-per-game player. That is what I think is expectation. And yes, he's got the highest um, he's got the highest contract in franchise history. But if I, I think that you should be. I think that I'll be satisfied. I think a lot of people will be satisfied if we're talking about him and a point total at the end of the year that starts with an eight. If you can, if you can be in that and end with another number after that, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Excellent caveat there. Put a little asterisk beside it. It's got to be a double digit number. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe even triple digits, but I don't think he's getting to 801. Probably not. Um, okay. 
couple of texts on that first topic, but uh, want to get your texts in now for our Flames Talk mailbag for the rest of the hour at 960-960. Put your name on the text, and uh, we'll just go rapid fire and all over the place. If you've heard a Flames Talk mailbag segment before, they're a lot of fun. We go all over the place. They're not necessarily in any certain order, so we jump back and forth and uh, try to get to as many as we can. 960-960 on the text line. If you're listening live, put your name on it so we uh, know who we're talking to when we're answering the question. We'll do that as this hour of Flames Talk rolls on. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. All right, it is Flames Talk mailbag time. This hour continues from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg and Vickers, this will be your first time on the Flames Talk mailbag. It will be. I'm curious to see how this all plays out. I'm going to let you quarterback this entire thing and then try to be as candid as possible. I think that's all you can ask for. It's usually uh, it's usually Wes and I doing this, so... Uh... For whatever reason, it's always worked out that Wes is on the mail. I thought maybe, like, should I read into that? No, no, just uh, just circumstance, but it's good to have you. Here's the deal on the mailbag. Already some questions in. If you're listening live with us at 960-960, get them in right now with your first name on the text. If you, you don't have to put your name down. We'll still read them if they don't. Um, but, yeah, get them in right now, and uh, we kind of go rapid fire on it and just go through a lot of different, uh, a lot of different topics, and there's all kinds of things to get into. Even though, Vix, there hasn't been a whole lot that has changed over the last two or three months, there's still lots to uh, dive into uh, when it comes to this. So let's start with Brett from Airdrie, who says, if the Flames players decided they wanted to do a captain skate, like what the Oilers are doing right now, could they? Or do they need an actual captain before they can call that? Either way, I'm surprised they aren't participating early like some teams. It'd be nice to see for Lindholm and Backlund to be with the team now so they can start to see what it's going to look like going forward. Now, uh, it's perhaps not as formal as what they've done north of us, where a lot of guys have been skating, but they've had uh, they've had guys out at different rinks over the last little bit. Um, lots of guys in town doing some informal skates and uh, getting ready to go. So they definitely are doing things right now, just maybe not as formally or as widespread yet as what we've seen in Edmonton or Ottawa. There's been some teams that have had a lot of guys there, but there's plenty of guys in town by this point. Yeah, even some uh, European-based guys that are coming back, like Michael Backlund, for example. To answer the captain's question, you do not need a captain to do a captain's skate. That's just the informal title. All you need is a teammate booking an ice time and inviting the boys out. That's all these skates are. There's no coaches allowed. They've just kind of been called captain skates because... Typically, the captain's participating and or rallying the troops to and come it's out a way, and do it. It's a way for them to be like, there are no coaches. We are yes. not. They're not violating they are not, the CBA. They're not technically Flames-affiliated skates. Now, there's Flames players participating, but that also doesn't mean that it's only Flames as well because local Calgarians will often participate in those skates as well before going to their respective cities. So, yes, these are actually happening in and around Calgary as we speak. Again, it's not... 
necessarily as big a deal as Connor McDavid arranging captain skates in Edmonton, but they are in fact happening here in Calgary. Uh, I, I know that our buddy Salem was out at yes. one on uh, Wednesday uh, and uh, he reported Tanev, Backlund, Dubé and Coleman were all skating Matthew Phillips as well. And uh, I know there are different ice times of different guys who are in town skating right now. So they are, they are doing that just not to the same extent as other teams are yet. And it, it doesn't like they're not they're they're not systems practices. They're not uh, practices where you're you're getting in place things that you're gonna do. The it's getting in not getting in shape, but it's getting back to game speed, regular season training camp practice speed shape. Those are the types of things that are going on right now. Yeah, just a little get together for the team. Again, I don't even like saying the team because again, it's player initiated skates getting familiar maybe with some guys that you haven't seen in three or four months since uh, since the end of the regular season, typically, and just getting back. And again, you mentioned Matty Phillips being a, a participant. Again, it's not a Flames-only player skate. It's local players that are in Calgary that are ramping yeah. things up. He'll be off to Washington's camp, I imagine. If not, if not, he's already on his way. He'll be heading there sort of on the weekends, that kind of thing. Um, just informal skates to get everybody back together and back into the rhythm of things. Um, this from Jared. Who wears a letter this year on the Flames and which letters and why? That comes from Jared. So I think that you probably have the opportunity of five letters this year. If yeah. they were to do one captain and then two road alternates, two home alternates, uh, you, you'd have the potential of having five. Let me uh, Let me run down which ones it would be for me. I don't really, I'm not going to designate who wears it at home and who wears it on the road. You should that because it'll flip halfway through. Uh, Rasmus Anderson would be my captain. Okay. Um, I would have Mackenzie Weger wearing an A. I would have Jonathan Huberdo wearing an A. So that's three. I would probably just based solely on contracts and who is, who is here, who's not here, I'd still have Backlund wearing an A just because of who he is and what he's meant to the organization, whether he's signed or not. And my last one, I'd go Manjapani. Okay. So I'd go, and I know that uh, Manjapani is unrestricted free agent at the end of next season, uh, so he's only got one year left on his deal. But I'd go Rasmus Kant, captain, then Uyghur, Backlund, Huberdo Manjapani would be my five. I just think I think Manjapani is a guy that has some really understated, quiet leadership qualities. I think it would be a nice confidence boost for him to put a letter on on him. Uh, I think Huberdo and Uyghur are both here long term. Um, we've already talked about why Rasmus Anderson would be a good captain. Backland is Backland. Uh, and there's I, I think the maybe the most notable names left off would be guys like Tanev, um, Kadri. Uh, Lindholm, those would be notable. I think there's different reasons for all of them. Kadri, I think, didn't wear a letter last year. The second half performance was really frustrating, so that definitely is playing yes. into it for me. Um, but yeah, those would be my five. What about you? So we've got four of the five the same. And Rasmus Anderson is captain. Uyghur, Huberto, Backlund is assistance. But I'm, I'm going Lindholm. Oh, no, I'm going Lindholm. Lindholm. Okay. And he wore one last year. You're trying to lock him in for another eight years no, after this fair. one. That's fair. So I could see the scenario where the player, and I'm not saying this specific to Lindholm, but I'll put it on me. Okay, I'm an assistant captain, alternate captain last season. I'm coming into a contract year. 
I'm on the fence. You want me long-term. I might see it as a little bit of a demotion's not even the right word. But if I was an alternate a season ago and you guys are making a pitch to to keep me another eight years, you take my A away from me. And I'm not saying I, Aaron Vickers, is going to pout. You've already sold me. You've already sold me. You've sold me. In the grand scheme of things, if you thought he was a leader on your team last year and you want him for eight more years after this season, you leave the A on him. I just really wanted Manjapati to get one. Yeah, fair. You've you've sold me. Lindholm instead of Mange. For now, All right. for now, you've sold me. You won this. Argument. Now, now, you've won this argument. No, let's let's continue this because say magically you don't have Michael Backlund now. You don't have Elias Lindholm. You can promote Mangiapane to an alternate. I think Coleman and you have one more conversation spot too. I mean, why? I mean, Coleman just screams natural leader too. So see, that's the thing with Coleman that I'm not sure he even needs one. No, I agree. I don't. I don't think Tanev does necessarily. I don't think either. it necessarily changes Coleman's approach. But if there is somebody that you thought could be um, an alternate that's maybe more relatable to the younger side of the team that can grow into a role and gives him a bigger platform and a bigger voice and more confidence, I could see having that second A that comes available going to a 25 and under player. Uh, Granted, they have to earn it. It has to be deserved, but that's how I could see it going. Text line 960-960. It is our um, Flames Talk mailbag. Get your uh, questions in right now if you would like. Um, Lots of them to get to. We're going as quickly as we can. Uh, Randy writes, what move or trade do they make to get under the salary cap? And it's a fair question because there are um, that right now they are above the salary cap, and right now they are uh, in a situation where they would have to make a move based on their cap friendly number right now. However, and and this is um, there's no knock on the player, but it's a pretty easy fix right now. You just go Gilbert to the American League, and you've got seven defensemen because. Shillington is counted on this cap projection. Even though he's on injured reserve, he's not on LTIR, which means his full two-and-a-half hit has been there all all of last season and is still on cap friendly's projection or number right now. So you take... So that means it says they have seven defensemen. They actually have eight defensemen. So a Gilbert or an Osterley, depending on how it goes in training camp, make that move to the American League. Bam, you're cap compliant. If you're looking for a little bit more room... Well, then you make the Hannafin trade before, you, before the season <laughs> It's starts. just as there easy as that. There you go. Easy peasy, says Pat Steinberg. No, you're right. You just uh, demote one of the defensemen. You already have seven on the active roster. You're not going to carry eight into the season. You're not going to go 12 and eight. I would like to find a way to get to 13 forward, 72 goalies. But if you're, and they're, again, they're sitting at what? Just over 200,000 over the cap, according to cap friendly as it stands right now. So there's not major surgery that needs to be done here. It's just a simple transaction. But I would... You know, it's early in the season. You can get away with it. Your farm team's in the same city, so you don't necessarily have to worry too, too much about recalls and things of that sort, at least when you're in the same city together. Again, Wranglers will be traveling, so there's that kind of issue. So you can go bare-bones skeleton roster in terms of, you know, having a minimum amount of forwards. But if they could find a way to even clear just a little bit more space and give themselves some more wiggle room to carry one extra on, on forward and one extra on defense, that's what I'd be looking for. Good question from Randy. Best uh, best thing Randy has said since. Hey, Pat, f*** off. Bring back Rob. You s- yeah, that's the, uh, the best best Randy since then. I don't know if I've ever heard the last part of that. No? No. I've I've heard the very abbreviated uh, censored version. I'm not certain I've I heard, heard the I heard, uncensored. I heard the uncensored version. You let me tell you. I heard that live. 
Um, Cam and Taylor are like, what was that? I'll tell you. I'll tell you another time. Nine sixty nine sixty. Uh, Claude writes, how much leash would you give Markstrom, and how do you handle Wolf? On the Markstrom front, I'm giving him a good chunk of leash. Uh, I don't know if you have chunks of leash, but I'm giving him a good length of leash. I'm, I'm, you know, October. I'm, I'm rolling Markstrom as my one in October. And if we're getting into November and he's showing us that he's not playing like a one, then maybe I start to change tact a little bit. But certainly through the first month of the season, I'm rolling Markstrom as my one because. If I'm the Flames, I need him to be back to being a number one goaltender, not what we saw last year. Yeah, I can see him giving the the 70% workload through the first month, month and a half, maybe right up until the beginning of December, and sort of evaluating where his game is. Now, I in saying that, I do that provided he's giving me quality starts. I'm not necessarily as worried about the numbers, but if the eye test isn't matching up with Jacob Markstrom, then... I'm really starting to to look towards the bench a little bit and looking at what Dan Vladar can offer, what Dustin Wolf can offer, if and when he does those spot starts that we've talked uh, a little bit about. Um, but yeah, you mark, Jacob Markstrom is coming into camp as sort of the undisputed number one goalie with, uh, by all reports, a chip on his shoulder and ready to put last season behind him. If he's able to do that and return to that 9-10, 9-12 save percentage form, then yeah, this is his crease to run with. It's if he starts to falter, yeah. I start deviating from I the think plan I'm of a making little, him a true I think I'm one. a little bit more, uh, or uh, yeah, I'm a little bit quicker to alter plan this year if he starts to falter or, or does not get off to a good start as I would have been last year. Like last year, you're talking about the Vesna Trophy runner-up and, right. and you know coming off the probably the second best individual or one of the top five best individual goaltending seasons we've seen in franchise history. And so you probably give the guy a little bit more leash coming off that. Whereas this time around coming off a season where he struggled. Yeah. I'd be a little bit quicker to alter plan as for Wolf. I think as of right now, until there's a trade made, if there's a trade made, I think you're trying to get him some some spot starts here and there. And you're trying to see, similar to what we were talking about, what you were talking about with the American League team being in the same city, you're, you're trying to use that to your advantage using the NHL and American League schedule to your advantage to see if you can, in the first 40 games, get Wolf like eight starts in those 40 or six starts or somewhere in that range while also making sure he's got a starter's workload by getting lots of starts with the with the Wranglers. Oscar Dansk is back with the Wranglers as well. You can count on him uh, on, on nights that, for instance, Wolf would be at the NHL level and they got to go Dansk. So that's how I would handle Dustin Wolf as it stands right now. Whether it's ideal or not, well, it's not the most ideal circumstance, but we're talking about them having three NHL-ready goaltenders as it stands right now a couple weeks from training camp. Yeah, I think I would look at that, you know, first half of the season or first 50 games of the season. If you can work him in eight to 10 times, I think you're more than happy with that from a development standpoint, from a seeing what you've got at this current juncture point. And I think that keeps Wolf hungry as well, while not sacrificing his actual overall start total because which it, needs to remain which it needs high. to. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And there's yes, he's basically wrapped the American Hockey League but having him sit as a third string goalie on the flames roster as a, and again, there's cap considerations to that. So if you want to go back to the last question about how do you keep the flames cap compliant, assuming it's the same uh, 21 ish man roster, well, you've got to worry about Dustin Wolf and his cap hit and the roster size, so on and so forth. Yeah. But he still needs to play. He's still 22 years old. 
It doesn't behoove him or his development to limit him to 20 starts in a season. There's still stuff he can take away from his American Hockey League play that he can push forward in his development. He still needs to play, bottom line. Uh, This one from Magarsa, who says, if the Flames do end up moving Lindholm, do you see any way they can get a young up-and-coming center back in the return? Yeah, I I think so. I I don't think that it would be a guy that is cresting or, or close to being a number one center or a top center right now, it might have to be a, a, an 18, 19 year old somewhere in that range. You might have to be looking at, you know, a, um, top two or three prospect in the organization, but no, I don't see any reason why they couldn't get that in the return for Lindholm. If they end up going that direction, because that's the type of piece or the type of chip that you'll be talking about first round pick and prospect type conversation if they do end up moving Lindholm. So, yeah, I think that if, if that's the type of trade they're willing to make, then absolutely, I think you can get that back. Yeah, I think that'll be on the, the shopping list if you are going to move a what many consider to be a top 20 center in the NHL, Elias Lindholm. I think the ideal return is either something similar to what the Jets got for Dubois, where they returned to Gabe Velarde in that trade and brought in a couple of well, Rasmus Kupari, who's, I don't know if he's necessarily a blue chip prospect, but he's a young NHLer. Um, if I'm the Flames, I'm probably looking more at a, a blue chip prospect that's playing down the middle, uh, a first round pick and another asset. If that's something that can be squeezed out again, I don't know the current landscape of what's being offered or what's available to the Calgary Flames or even from the other side of, you know, having the opportunity to land a potential number one, number two center on another like full on Stanley Cup contending team. But from the outside looking in, I want that first round pick and I want a blue chip prospect. And I'm actually even okay if it's a defenseman, but if you can put a premium on finding a center and helping build out that center depth for the Calgary Flames, because as it stands right now, you've got three centers, Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, Michael Backlund that are all knocking in the neighborhood of being 30 30 or over 30. So if you can start finding some reserves, building up your prospect pool down the middle, I think that would uh, behoove Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames. By the way, the Dubois trade got him, uh, got the Jets, Velarde, Iafalo, Kupari, and a second round pick. So they got, and I think, I think that there is a case to be made that Dubois gets a. He's younger. I, I think. I think that there. I think it could be similar returns because I think Lindholm is at this point he's put up higher point totals than. Uh, like twice Lindholm has put up higher point totals than Dubois career high, but there's a three and a half year age gap. So I think that they could be similar returns. Now Velarde's 24 and Kupari's 20, uh, 23 plus a second round pick. So yes, before we move on. Yes. I think it's realistic that depending on what the uh, flames target or the type of trade they go after, they could get that type of return. Uh, if they were to make an Elias Lindholm trade. Uh, this from Graham in the Southwest. Uh, Bradshaw Living was rightly praised for great RFA contracts. Lindholm, a great example, great for the team. But do you think this leads to resentment from the player and could be contributing to his holdup re-signing? Is he saying, I gave you a discount last time, now I want to be paid back? Well, I don't think it's resentment, but I definitely think players know when they've been playing on when they team-friendly deals. There's no doubt about that, and there's no doubt that Lindholm and his camp are saying, okay, you know, you just got a six-year, you got six years, because the minute Lindholm touched the puck in his first game as a member of the Calgary Flames, 
he was dynamite value on the contract that he signed before playing his first game as the Flames. That was a masterstroke from Treliving, no doubt about it. That was a great contract. There was not a single day where Lindholm was anything but good value for the Calgary Flames. So there's no doubt that the agent and the player and the camp know that and and are that has been brought up that okay, you just got a great deal. Let's uh, let's not try to go pinching pennies again when we're paying Lindholm this time. I can guarantee you that has been, whether it's been said in negotiations or only said behind closed doors on the one side, yes. Do I think it's resentment? No, because Lindholm happily signed that deal and got, you know, almost $30 million out of it. So there was, there, there's kind of, they understand, but I don't think they're upset or resent the fact that they ended up signing the deal because they were willing parties in signing the deal. Be madder at your agent or be madder at yourself for not taking a shorter time betting. But at the time when he signed that deal, he had 16 goals and 44 points. That was the season he was coming off on. His career high was 45 points. There's a a lot of, there was even some projection going on in the deal. Like I I don't even think at the time you take a look at what Lindholm was and and you're the flames who had yet to play a game with and say, you know, he's a almost $5 million player. I don't think he was at the time based on what he'd right. done. So there was a there was some risk taken on Calgary's side when they signed that deal. It is paid. Uh, it's why I always subscribe, in most cases anyway, it's why I mostly subscribe to, yeah, taking that risk. It's why I've been pushing the Dylan Dubé long-term contract conversation. Take the risk and enjoy the potential reward, which I think is fairly strong if you do it. The conversation for another time. At that point of signing the contract with the Flames, with Carolina, he had in his first four full seasons, I guess if you want to go to the 58 game as a rookie, he had 21 points in 58 games, but he went 39 points, 39 points, 45 points, 44 points. So he was super consistent in his production. And you would have to project out, as you mentioned, Pat, where does he have room to grow? Because he had been a perennial roughly... 15 goal, 40 ish point center slash winger. And you sign him to the contract, as you mentioned. Turns out that he's completely outplayed the dollar figure of that contract. I don't think there's any resentment and he's going to hold the flames for, squeeze him for every last penny. I think he's going to squeeze everybody for every last penny, whether it's the Calgary Flames, whether he gets traded and, you know, is looking at a sign-in extension and then trade after the fact, or if he just goes simply to free agency, I think he's going to try to get as much money no matter what, as is his right and as I encourage all players to kind of do. I'm more player than team friendly. I'm, I'll say that out loud. I mean, I'm, I understand both. Yep. If you're the team, get your, get your good contract. Oh, yeah. And you know what? If you're Lindholm, get yours because yes. you're an independent contractor, so I don't begrudge a player who says, no, I'm going to hold out for what I think I'm worth, and some guys will sign for a little bit. Again, if Connor McDavid signs for $18 million, he's probably still giving them a discount, and yet he's also getting his. Like, there's, yep. you know, anyway. Both sides can be happy. Um, this says, uh, everyone is focusing on, in- this from Jerry, by the way, Everyone's focusing on increased offense without thinking that part of the reduced scoring was Sutter's defense first approach. So while they may score more, they could be giving up more chances. I'm just saying that allowing more offensive freedom doesn't necessarily mean more wins. Agreed, Jerry. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, and that there, there is no guarantee that just because they're, we're talking about them anyway, potentially being more 
offensively free this year. That means that they're just going to be as tight as they were defensively last year. But a couple of things. You get league average goaltending, and that mitigates a lot of it. And the Flames still gave up a good chunk of 10 bell chances last year, and they came at awful times. Now, again, your goaltending is league average. I don't know if we're talking about that the same way, but if you have goaltending bounce back at the same time, there's a little bit more scoring, even if they aren't quite as suffocating defensively, I still think that you're in a better spot. Yeah, I have no problem with the Flames giving up two, three, four more shots per game as long as they're from the right areas. The Calgary Flames seemingly gave up a lot of 10-bell chances, and when your goaltending isn't playing up to expectation or ability, a lot of those great A's end up in the back of your net. And so while you can be a top three, top five chance suppression team, your high danger chances against are going to be sort of abnormal in comparison to just the regular scoring opportunities. So I think the Calgary Flames, and I, I do, do recall, I believe, Ryan Huska talking about this, where it's like, yeah, we were stingy defensively, but when we gave something up, we gave something up. Yep. So it's about finding those adjustments in your defensive schemes and, and your breakouts and whatnot to mitigate those high danger chances against while still freeing up some of your forwards to do what they do best. And even the defensemen jumping into the play. We're not just going to put the offense on the forwards. It's the defense that need to add a second wave as well. Jeremy writes, uh, our mailbag continues at 960, 960. Uh, we're going through as many as we can this hour on Flamestock. Great response. As per usual, thank you, friends. Jeremy says, if you had your choice of any player or prospect for an American team for Noah Hannafin, who would it be an actual trade, not a fantasy trade? I've got mine. I'll give you a little bit of time. Yeah. So um, a, uh, a friend of mine uh, actually got this into my head, the team, a little earlier this week. Um, and, and hello to, uh, to, to Gavin in Berlin. Um, he, he suggested, it was just talking to me this week. He said, what about, uh, what about Dallas for Hannafin? I said, you know what? I don't mind that as a landing spot at all because Dallas is a team that is looking to take that next step. And as much as I like their team and as much as I think that they're in a really good spot and I like, obviously Miro Haskinen is elite, an elite defenseman. I think Essa Lindell is moving in a really nice direction. But if there's one area that I look at the stars and say they're a little thin, it's on defense. And now all of a sudden, if you could have Hannafin in there and you've got Haskinen and Lindell, now all of a sudden puts a little less pressure maybe on Ryan Suter. Um, And so I think Hannafin and Dallas is a great fit. And so I went right there, and the player that I'm thinking of, is uh, Logan Stankoven. If you could, uh, that that is a high Oof. end Western League, um, Western League prospect. So if you could, uh, could you could you pry Stankoven from the Stars as part of a package? Uh, that's the one that comes to my mind. Uh, just from a, it is fantasy, but I think that's also somewhat realistic as well. See, I still go back and I look at Detroit, and this might yep. be a little more ambitious than Stankoven even, who I think is a absolute blue chipper. But if you could get Simone Edvinson, the big 6'4", 6'6", defenseman drafted in 2021, was a top 10 pick, if I'm not mistaken. That would be something I'd look at. See, and I'm going on a Hannafin trade. I'm like, ooh, bring back a defenseman and replenish that pool a little bit on the back end. I think that that would be a target for me. And again, I look at Detroit's defense, and I know they just brought in Goss Despair on a one-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they also it, brought in uh, Jeff Petrie, too. Yes. I think Petrie's the one that I was more... Via trade from Montreal, yep. via Pittsburgh, yep. and the whole Eric Carlson shuffle, if you will. 
but I still look at their blue line and I go, man, there's nothing stopping Noah Hannafin from being a Detroit Red Wing. And he'd, still be the number, he'd be the number two defense. He'd be the number two behind yeah. Maritz Sider all day, every day. Uh, okay, Chris in Calgary. With Jake Sanderson's new contract at eight mil a year, what does Rasmus Anderson's next deal look like? Yeah, it's going to be especially so on Wednesday's show, Logan and I talked about, you know, what I, I think that Rasmus has a huge season in front of him. Not like this is a big season for Rasmus. I just think like, I think Rasmus is going to have a huge season. I think that we could be talking about him in the 60 point range. I think he takes another step to being a, a bonafide number one defenseman in this league. You know, we were talking about it on Wednesday. I believe right now, if you were to rank the top 15 to 20 defensemen in the NHL, Rasmus Anderson is on that list. Uh, so he's going to get paid in a couple of years. So he's got three years left on his deal in, including this year. Um, so I, I mean, and with where the cap's going to go, like, I, I don't think it's out of the question that we're talking about Rasmus at 8 million plus. Like, I don't think that's out of the question at all. If he's going to project when that contract expires to be, so what is that three seasons? So he's still going to be 29. The cap's going to be what? Eight ish, 10 ish million higher than it is now. Yep. If he's if a bonafide more. number one defenseman and he's a top 25 guy in the league, He's hitting, he's hitting ten. I'm not, I'm not shy. I'm not shy. And I don't even think. I don't even like when you say that. It's like, I mean, Darnell Nurse is making what nine point two five or whatever it is, and that's under this current cap schedule. Now maybe that's a little bit of a misstep for the Edmonton Oilers. But if Rasmus Anderson is a legit bona fide top twenty five defenseman and he's your number one in Calgary. And you're locking him up to what's probably going to be an eight-year deal. They'll take him to 37. I think I think you're knocking on that door at 10 mil per. Um, we'll go a little more rapid fire so we can get to as many as we can before we wrap up this hour. Steinberg Vickers in your Flames mailbag. Tim, says, fellas, um, prediction-wise, when do you think we see the Flames' first major trade? Preseason, early November, or wait till the deadline? I think... Late October, early November. That's when we see our first major deal involving one of the names that we're talking about. Um, if I were to put money on it, I would say Hannafin. I would say Hannafin as well, and I'm going somewhere between November 15th and December 1st. Okay, I like that. Um, this says, as we were talking about um, players wearing the C, um, Lauren in New Brighton says, aren't all players wearing the C on their jersey anyways if they play in Calgary? Um, you're banned from the text line, Lauren. You Factually are, correct, you are but wrong banned. I am banning you from the text line. Kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, what else we got? Uh, Steve says, is it fair to say that Huberdo will always be judged in this market by how well Kachuk does in Florida? See, yes, it. yes, it's fair to say that, but it's unfair. It, like, it is fairly unfair. I believe that that is an accurate statement, but I believe it's unfair for Huberto to be judged on Kachuk. But I think it's fair that for many people, that is going to be the case. See, now here's my take on that, and I'll be quick. I more link Huberto to Johnny Gaudreau, to be perfectly honest, than I do Matthew Kachuk. I don't think Jonathan Huberto was brought here to replace Matthew Kachuk. I think he was brought here to replace Johnny Gaudreau. Left wing for left wing, 115 points for 115 points. So on and so forth. 
Uh, this says this spot start stuff we talk about is nonsense. What NHL team finds starts for three healthy goalies? None. Incorrect. Last year, Florida did it. Uh, Florida had themselves a decent enough season. Now, um, how many did they play in the in the playoffs? They started Just with the two. I the, think Knight was Knight around for the opening round. No, I don't think he was. They went with Lyon, Alex Lyon and then and then went to Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. But Lyon, Bobrovsky, Knight all played and and when everybody was healthy. So Florida did it last year. It's not that long ago that Nashville did it um, with uh, both Pekarene and UC Saros was that guy who. Did a little bit of a double duty, so it's not to to that texter's point. It's not as nonsensical. It's not ideal, one hundred percent, but it's not nonsensical. It's happened before. It's I mean, it's happened, happened here. Ordeo and Ron, was it Ramo and Hiller? Now they they didn't were they they didn't bounce one guy up and down necessarily. No, they kept all three, and that's what didn't that isn't that, that why it's Paul Byron? Paul Byron? Yeah. I don't want to talk. About Shout out to Paul Byron. I don't want to talk about it. recently retired. Yes. Paul Byron. What a damn good career. For One of my favorite guys, too. Awesome I've got guy. so many like little mini stories about that guy. Love him. Great career for a guy of that stature. And how really, he came in. Had a really good NHL career. His bank account from where he started to where he finished, good on him. Like He was he hustled and grind. Oh, absolutely. Grinded? Yes. Ground? Grounded? I don't know how you'd say that. Grinded works for me. Perfect. Um, of course, he was part of the what trade? Uh, Paul Byron? Yeah. Did he come from Ottawa? Nope. Okay. He's, yes, he was born. I believe. Oh, he's, he's from Ottawa. Ottawa. That's no, why I'm thinking the Robin Regeer trade with Buffalo. Oh, that's right. We got uh, him that... and Chris Butler in that. Butsy. And I think Kodalik went the other way. Yeah, that finally, was a Kodalik. Finally got rid of contract. Of yeah. Speaking of Kodalik, who still has the greatest individual player goal song in Flames history. Um, somebody says, uh, Coleman and Duchess says, what will Yegor Sharon Govich's goal song be? So I saw that and I didn't know if we'd get to it. So I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. I'm going my Sharona. That's actually pretty good. I don't know if I can beat that. First one that came to mind is I was thinking about it. I just saw it. I was like, Sharon Govich share. First one was, uh, guess who share the land. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Not bad for uh, a millennial, hey? Um, but I like yours, uh, The Knack, My Sharona. That's, that's, I don't know if you can beat that one. All right. And I don't even know. Like, I feel like it only 75% fits, but like, I no, think I it think fits it... with the overall scheme of things. I mean, if they can use working on a gold mine for Blake Coleman, then I think they can use My Sharona for Sharon Govich. No, I think you nailed that one. Thanks, buddy. Is, there, got... is there a royalty check that comes if they do use it? To, to The Knack, yes. Oh, okay, the, not, the to, band, not, yeah. to, not to Aaron Vickers. I don't know if I can come up with a better one. Good All right. job. Um, Jeff says, when do you think Lindholm will re-sign or be traded and why? Or do you think he'll play the full year with the Flames? Um, okay, so there's kind of two parts on that. Part one, when do I think he'll be re-signed? If he signs, I think it'll happen sometime during like late in training camp or early in the regular season. So sometime kind of, I, I would say, because the Flames start the regular season October 11th. So, October, early November is when we'd get a contract. This is just, this is nothing but conjecture, but I would say if he signs, it would be in that range. And if he doesn't sign in that range, we're probably talking trade. And I think if a trade were to happen, it would come in like January. So I think a Lindholm trade would happen in January-ish. Only if you are pretty sure he's not going to re-sign. And the only way he plays a full season is if he's signed. And I think that'll happen in October, if that were to happen. I'm going to go signing in the first week of December. 
If not signing, I'm saying traded first week of February. Okay. Good stuff on the uh, text line. Great stuff on another edition of the Flames Talk Mailbag. Thoughts? How'd you like it? Quite enjoyed that. It's good, hey? Like yeah. Rapid fire, a lot of questions, people get engaged. It's like, it's honestly like the least prep you have to do. Hey, text, and we'll talk about your text. But if you do that once every couple of weeks, I don't think it's lazy. I think it's good engagement. So uh, I'm glad we did it. Uh, we'll do it again before the start of the season for sure here on Flames Talk as we start to wrap up this hour. Thanks to everybody who jumped in on the text line and jumped in on the Flames Talk mailbag. Thanks to Vickers. He's on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor Cam, our producers this hour. And this hour has been coming at you from the Doug Lacey's basement systems downtown studio do you have cracks in your walls floors or ceilings visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate they are all things basementy